you may know, we are going through the book of 1 Peter, and we come now to 1 Peter 2, 11 through 17. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How should we live as American citizens? How should Christians live as citizens of the USA? In a sense... We have dual citizenship. We are born American citizens, but we have been reborn. We have been reborn, first and foremost, as citizens of a heavenly kingdom. How should we then live as citizens of an earthly kingdom? We can learn what not to do from the life of Peter. Here are two examples of what not to do from his life. Remember what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? Judas came with soldiers and officers, with torches, with weapons. When Jesus gave him into their hands, what did Peter do? He drew his sword and began fighting back. A little later, when Jesus was being questioned, so too was Peter. You also are not one of his disciples, are you? And three denials later, the rooster crowed. In the life of Peter, we see these two tendencies. One is to draw our swords. The other is to deny our Savior. As a Christian citizen, how are you tempted to draw your sword? How are you tempted to rebel, to fight back, to take up arms? Or, as an American citizen, how are you tempted to deny your Savior? How are you tempted to conform, to flee, to keep your faith a private matter? As we'll see in these verses, Christian citizens do neither. They don't draw their swords, neither do they deny their Savior. Instead, they follow in the footsteps of a suffering Savior. A Savior who secured victory by enduring the cross. What Peter wants us to know is that Christian citizenship is cruciform citizenship. Cruciform citizenship. Christian citizenship is citizenship stamped with the imprint of the cross. As citizens, we're called to follow Jesus in his sufferings. And when we do that, we will be the best of citizens. As we get started, here's a quick overview 
verses 11 and 12 are like the theme verses for the next big section of the letter. So, verses 11 through 12 are the theme for everything that Peter will say through the rest of chapter 2, for all of chapter 3, and for the opening section of chapter 4. They're like the general theme for what follows. At this point in the letter, Peter transitions from assuring us of who we are as Christians to telling us this is how you should now live. Verse 7 marks that transition. And verses 11 and 12 are the general theme for what will follow. Then in verses 13 through 17, Peter applies this general theme to his first topic, the topic of citizenship. With that overview in mind, let's take a look at verses 11 through 12. The Word of God reminds us of who we are and then tells us what to do and why we should do it. If it would be helpful... We could think of it as three points, who, then what, and then finally, why. So first, who? Who are we? Listen to how verse 11 begins. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Who are you? Who are we? Don't overlook the very first word. Beloved. Peter is writing to first century Christians whom he loves dearly. But the word beloved is true of all, all who have been reborn into a living hope. Regardless of how the world thinks of you, regardless of how the world thinks of you, beloved is how God thinks of you. Beloved. God loves you. You are beloved in Christ. And what does this make you in the world? It makes you nothing less than a sojourner or an exile. How do we fit in with a non-Christian society? That's just it. We don't. We don't fit in. We are spiritual exiles. Once again, I've shared this before, but think about the experience of studying abroad. Think about what it's like to study abroad. If you haven't, gone overseas or visited another country, I'm sure you can imagine. What's different in another country? So much. So much. Language, food, histories, values. We speak of culture shock because it's so disorienting. In a similar way, it's disorienting to live as Christians in this fallen world. We should expect to feel culture shock as we live as Christians in a non-Christian society. So Peter is saying, Beloved, look at your passport. Look at your passport. Remember that you are citizens of heaven, like God's people throughout history, throughout all of redemptive history. You are exiles. Beloved, this is who we are. Second, what should we do? How should we live? Peter first puts it negatively. He says in verse 11, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Passions of the flesh. It's a general catch-all phrase for sinful desires. Desires that are opposed to the Spirit. Desires that are opposed to new life in Christ. Let me briefly point out 
Three things about these desires. First, you still have them. You still have them. Christian, you still have passions of the flesh. Don't be surprised when you or other Christians struggle. Until Christ returns, his people will struggle with all kinds of sinful desires. You still have these passions. I do. But that's no excuse to say yes to them. Second, you can and should abstain from them. As we learned in Romans 6, as a Christian, are you still a slave to sin? No. No, we're not. We're not slaves to sin. So when passions of the flesh call you, you are not obliged to pick up your phone and answer. Since you are slaves to righteousness and slaves to God, say no to ungodly desires. Say no to passions of the flesh. Third, these passions are out to kill you. Passions of the flesh, Peter says, wage war against your soul. They're out to kill you, to destroy you, to conquer you. Passions of the flesh are like poison. To give in to sinful desires, whatever the desire is, is like sipping on poison. What sinful impulses are you struggling with in life right now? What sinful desires, what passions of the flesh are you struggling with? They wage war against who you are. They wage war against your very person in Christ. You can and you must say no. May God give us grace to see these desires for what they are and to take them seriously and to abstain to abstain by God's grace and the power of the Spirit. Peter first puts it negatively. Abstain from the passions of the flesh. This is what you should not do. Or you should abstain. Say no. How about saying yes? He puts it positively. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. In other words, as we saw in an earlier section... As he who called you is holy, so be holy. So be holy in all your conduct. All your conduct. Why should we live this way? Why? Here's why. So that unbelievers will come to faith in Christ. So that they will see your godly life and glorify God by believing in Jesus. Listen again to what the Word of God says. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Unbelievers will speak against you as evildoers. To some extent, in one way or another, unbelievers will speak against you as evildoers. Peter doesn't say if, but when. When they speak against you as evildoers, they will view you to some extent with suspicion, with hostility. You will not be liked. Why? We could give many reasons. One reason is because you don't honor the cultural gods of our society. You don't worship the gods of our culture. 
So what should you do? What should you do about that? How should you prove them wrong? How should we engage a non-Christian society? Peter says, by how you live. By your lifestyle. By your godly, holy conduct. By living a life of honorable deeds. By letting your light shine. As Jesus once said. Do any of you enjoy people watching? Be honest. Do any of you enjoy people watching? We were at the airport traveling back from Memphis or Atlanta or somewhere, and my brother Pete said, I enjoy airports, and I enjoy people watching. So many people. So many people. Well, thankfully, it's not just, it's not just us. It's not just Christians who like to people watch. Unbelievers are watching you. Praise be to God. Unbelievers watch us. They are watching the way you live. And they may be saved by watching you. They may be saved by seeing your good deeds. Peter says the day of visitation is coming. This is the day of judgment. The day of Christ's promised return. The day when God once again visits the earth. On that day, God will be glorified. He will be glorified by a multitude that no one can number. Peter is saying, live in such a way, the word of God is saying, live in such a way that others are there because they saw your good deeds. Live in such a way that others are there because they saw the godliness, the holiness of your life. The word of God is saying, beloved, remember, you are citizens of heaven. Live as sojourners and exiles on this earth. Abstain from passions of the flesh that war against you. Keep your conduct honorable so that unbelievers see your godliness. May they see your good deeds and one day glorify God as believers in Christ. In verses 11 and 12, we find the general theme. That's it. The, the general theme for this next section of the letter. Now, beginning in verse 13, Peter moves from the general to the specific. His concern is to show us specifically how we should live. And the first topic that he takes up is the topic of citizenship. Citizenship. So much could be said about this topic. So much. There are so many nuances, so many perspectives that we, can't, we simply can't explore tonight. It is a big topic. So with that said, knowing that we can only scratch the surface, let me show you what we should do and why we should do it. What we should do, why we should do it, and I pray that the Spirit would enable us not only to hear what the Word of God says, but to do it. May the Spirit give us the creativity, the wisdom to think of our current circumstances and to apply God's Word to them. So what should you do? How should you live as an American citizen? Really, the call and command and exhortation is summed up in the opening line. Be subject, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution. 
This means what it says. Be subject means to be subject. It's willing submission and obedience. Be subject, Peter writes, for the Lord's sake. In other words, be subject for Jesus' sake, his sake. For your Savior's sake, be subject to some authorities. Be subject to authorities who recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord. No. Scripture says to be subject to every human institution, and the implication is that we're subject even to pagan ones. Remember, Peter wrote this in the first century. At the time that he wrote this letter, either Claudius or Nero was the emperor. And this apostolic command was both for his day and for ours. Be subject, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. This is how we should live. Peter goes on in verses 16 and 17, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Christian, you are supposed to be, you are called to be a submissive citizen. You are called to be subject to civil authorities at all levels. You are to honor, you are to honor every governing authority. You are not only called to be a submissive citizen, but also an active citizen. Notice, Peter says that governors are sent to praise those who do good. That's the second part. I'm highlighting the second part. They're sent to praise those who do good. The implication is that these good deeds are public. Yes, we should do good in private and behind closed doors. Peter's not ruling that out. But in this verse, he's envisioning Christians as those who do good out in the open. Christians are those who seek the welfare of their city, and they're recognized for it. You are called not only to be a submissive and active citizen, you are also called to be a free citizen. Live as people who are free. Your highest allegiance is to Jesus Christ. You are to be subject to every human institution for his sake. You are called to honor the emperor, but notice, you're not called to fear him. You're only called to fear God. Honor the emperor. Fear God. The implication, Peter doesn't flesh this out here, but the implication is that we, as Christians, must disobey governing authorities if they command what God forbids or if they forbid what God commands. Did I say that correctly? Peter doesn't flesh that out here. And there are so many nuances to that. But the implication, if Christ is Lord, the implication is that if a governing authority says to do something that God forbids, we shouldn't obey. We must disobey governing authorities if they forbid what God commands or command what God forbids. 
Be a submissive citizen, be an active citizen, but be a free citizen as well. So, brothers and sisters, do your actions, words, jokes, attitudes honor civil authorities? Jesus once said that even unbelievers love those who love them. Even Democrats will be subject to Democrats. Even Republicans will be subject to Republicans. But will you be subject to someone that you didn't vote for? You are called to be a submissive citizen. In this stage of life, how are you actively seeking the good of your city? In this stage of life, what, is that, what does that look like? What might it look like? You are called to be an active citizen. Are you courageously doing what's right even if civil authorities disagree? You are called to be a free citizen. Much more could be said. We could flesh each one of those points out in much more detail. But this, in summary, is the what. Here's what we're called to do as Christian citizens. But why? Why should we live this way? Let's start with verse 15. Peter writes, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. When when Peter speaks here of the will of God, he's probably referring back to verse 13 and then verse 14. So the will of God is that Christians are to be subject to governing authorities, to every human institution. The result, then, is that we silence the ignorance of foolish people. That's not necessarily clear in the ESV. Let me just say that again. When Peter says the will of God, what he's probably referring to is be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution with the result that you will put, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So why should we live this way? Because God would have us live this way. It's his will. And if it's his will, then it is in your best interest to obey. It is for your good that you obey God's will. So first and foremost, it's the will of God. But second, remember what we learned earlier in verses 11 and 12. Unbelievers may see your good deeds and glorify God by coming to faith in Christ. Think think of the people that you long to see redeemed. Think of the people that you pray for, the people that you long to see saved and brought to salvation in Christ. Could it be, could it be that they will come to faith through your testimony as a citizen? Could it be that your testimony as a citizen, a submissive, active, free citizen, is what God uses to save them? May they see your good deeds. May they see your Christian citizenship and glorify God when Christ returns. Why should we live this way? Because it's nothing less than the will of God. Because this is how sinners will be saved and God will be glorified. And finally, because we are called to follow in the footsteps of a suffering Savior. We are called to be submissive, active, free, and suffering citizens. 
step back and think about verses 13 through 17. Think about what Peter calls us to do as Christians. Who's described in these verses? Who perfectly lived out these commands? Who faithfully embodied this kind of citizenship? Who was subject for his father's sake to every human institution? Who was subject even when it meant being wrongly accused and tried? Who was sinless and yet was unjustly executed on a cross for sinners like us? Do you see? These verses describe Jesus Christ. These verses describe Jesus who endured the cross. Because he despised the shame, you and I are welcomed into God's presence. Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might now follow in his steps. Peter didn't understand this at first. He didn't get it. It didn't click. He didn't understand that the cross was the way to victory. So he drew his sword in the garden only to be rebuked by his Lord. Put your sword into its sheath, Jesus said. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? That's what Jesus said. Peter first drew his sword and later denied his Savior. At that time, he didn't understand how God's kingdom would come. But then, he witnessed the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, his Messiah. Peter got it. He got it. And he wrote this letter so that Christians both then and now would know this to be true. That Christian citizenship is citizenship stamped with the imprint of the cross. As citizens, we are called to follow Jesus in his sufferings. Christian citizenship is a cruciform citizenship. That's what we're called to as Christians. Victory for the church is not a kingdom on earth. Victory is not found in political vindication or earthly power. Our hope is not founded on the next election day, but on the day of visitation. When Jesus returns, our suffering will give way to glory. The honor will be for us who believe. We will never be put to shame. The tested genuineness of our faith will result in praise and glory and honor. But until that day comes, Christian citizenship is cruciform citizenship. It's citizenship that looks like cross-bearing. May God give us grace to follow in the footsteps of our Savior. Follow Him And you will be the best of earthly citizens. Amen.